Hi, this is Pastor Mike Gordon, and welcome to Bethel Brandon's Sunday Message. For more information about this podcast and more resources, visit us at BethelBrandon.ca. I guess Canada Day weekend is that kind of how we 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 say it? We kind of Friday Friday becomes uh, Canada Day. The fourth is tomorrow, where it's kind of happening in the United States. It's it's a great weekend. We had lots of wonderful things happen, and I am glad that you're here. I'm hoping that you are going to be challenged by um, this morning's message. It is a little bit different in that really. Um, This message isn't for you. I'm still glad that you're here. I'm glad you're listening in. But this message is not for you. Um, I have done this similarly. But as time goes on and technology advances, I realize that sometimes I have to update. And this is the best way for me um, to somehow challenge people. But in reality, and I want to make this clear, this message is not for you, or at least I'm hoping it's not um, for you. Uh, You might be listening online. And as I speak, it is July the 3rd, 2022, about 11 o'clock, and Jesus has not returned for his church as I am speaking. But it very well may be, and my hope is, that this message will extend at a later date to someone and Christ has returned for his church. And so for this person or those individuals who find this message online or however in the future, I will be speaking as though the rapture has happened. Let me get this straight so that there's no confusing As I am presently speaking, the rapture has not happened. Christ has not returned for his church. But odds odds are now with technology, when Jesus does return, there will be people hunting for a sermon, a message like this. And so I'm going to be speaking to you, future person. And the rapture has happened. Christ has returned for his church. You're not too sure exactly um, what to to do. Um, And so the church... Um, and oh, let me just say this for those of you who are here and you have decided not really to serve Jesus and, um, and yet are still sitting in church. My hope is that this will be the sermon that you will remember if you decide not to serve Jesus today. And all of a sudden Jesus does return from church. You might be able to sit there and say, okay, I remember this message that he spoke. The series is called coming soon. Jesus. And we're in part two of the series, which is called Tribulation Survival Kit. Okay? So that's how you um, can remember. You say, this is all kind of weird, isn't it? Well, it is. But I would imagine if there is a person who has all of a sudden seen what has happened after Jesus' return, they would be awfully confused, awfully shaken. They would probably want to hear something which is taking place. And so this is why, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, I'm doing this. So the fact is, Jesus has returned, future person. And you're not too sure exactly what to do. There are confusing scenarios that have happened. There are a number of questions that you might have. And all I know and all I want to give you is directly from the Word of God. Because the last thing that you need from me at this point is my opinion. 
You shouldn't be interested in my opinion. You should be interested in what the word of God is actually saying about this event where Jesus returns to the church. It is known as the rapture. And there's no, book, there's no word rapture which is in the Bible. We get it from the Latin term rapture, which means to be caught up. So I imagine that you're listening. Jesus has returned. And you're sitting and listening and watching this. And you are shaken. And I would imagine that I would be too. There's a number of questions that are running through your mind. There are a number of confusing scenarios that are taking place. But if there's one thing that I can say to you, if you can remember this one thing, I think this is the most important thing about this message. If you have been left behind, you will be making choices between a few years of life and eternity. If you choose to go in the wrong direction, the best that will happen to you is that you will live at the most seven years. And those last three and a half will not be pleasant. That's what the Word of God says. Or if you are able to hold on, you will be able to be in eternity with God. But there's a number of things that I wanted to talk about. It'll be a little bit different. It'll be hard. You see, what, what happens and what we're talking about is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. And I'm just going to be reading a few verses. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And it says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we also who are alive and remain shall be, here's that word, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord and therefore comfort one another with these words. And those are comforting words if you go up to be with Jesus. But if you decided not to serve Jesus and you are left behind, I don't know if these would be very comforting words. They'd be very sobering words, wouldn't they? Um, if you're here or if you're, you're listening at a future time, and you are suspicious that the rapture has happened, the following things have made you feel this way. Perhaps the most um, alarming thing, perhaps the most aware thing, is that there will be a number of people from the Christian community that are all of a sudden missing. I would say that would be the biggest thing. But I'll tell you right at this time that there will be a plausible explanation for why this happens. How do you know that? Well, the scripture basically says that that is what's going to happen. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, as Paul is discussing this with the Thessalonian church, he says, when the falling away happens as such, it says in, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 11, that God will send what is called strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. That after Jesus has returned for his church, we all of a sudden go into a different era. And because of all this, God allows there to be a spirit of delusion, a gullible spirit, as you say, that will allow people to believe some type of an explanation for what has happened. And so you will realize that the church will be emptied somewhat of people. But at the same time, you may find as well that there will be people who you thought would have been gone who still are there. That might give you a sense of false hope. 
And I'll say this, and I don't know for sure, but I would imagine that the churches may be just as full after the rapture as they are now. How can you say that? Well, for those who are listening, there will be a lot of people who are in the same boat as you. There will be people who will be suspicious that Jesus has returned. And what happens when you believe and you think that Jesus has returned is that you will return to the place where you had originally sought out faith and walked away from it. So not only will those people who know and have a knowledge of Jesus returning, they will return, but there will also be many who will not. There, there may be people who have taught Sunday school. There may be people who were board members. There may even be pastors who have served Jesus but not have loved him with all their heart. It's true. That and the fact that Scripture seems to indicate that there will be a group of people who thought that they were going and don't go. There's one of these passages in, is in Matthew chapter 24. And in Matthew chapter 24, as he's talking about all this, gives the story of a wedding and 10 bridesmaids. Do you remember it? Wave at me if you remember it, folks who are here. 10 bridesmaids. And, and as the brides, as, as the groom is tarrying and coming, the bridesmaids, all of a sudden, five of them realize, I don't know if I'm going to have enough oil for my lamp. And so, so they ask the other ones, they say, listen, I've only got enough for me. So what happens is they walk away to get the oil, and when they come back, the bridegroom has already come. And so what you have is you have five of them are prepared, five are not. Five make the wedding, five do not. I've always wondered about this passage of Scripture. If, if this is representative of the church, if 80% of the church that we know of is raptured, and 20% or not. That's kind of what we assume a lot of the time, or, or maybe less. I'm, I'm not too sure what your thinking is. Wouldn't it make more sense for Jesus to say, eight of them had enough oil, two of them didn't. Nine of them had enough oil, one of them didn't. Could it be that this is revealing something to us? That at the time that Jesus actually comes back for his church, the church will be in such a state of apostasy that only half of them will be here. That's kind of scary to think about, but that's what the Word of God says. There's some things that, that, that make me think very seriously as to how that is. And you might be thinking this, hey, I've been going to church my whole life. I've been associated with the church. I've been associated with this church my whole life. And for some reason, I find myself here and Jesus has returned. I'm not too sure exactly what that's all about. Well, the fact is this. It's important to come to church. And when you love Jesus, you want to be at church. And I understand that. But it is true that you can come to church and not know Jesus. I can sleep in my garage for a night, but that doesn't make me a car. It can be a moth in the cookie jar. That doesn't make me a cookie. It's true. Going to church is good, important for your growth as a follower, for fellowship. You can go to church and not know Jesus. I tithe every day. I give every day. I've given sacrificially. I give all the time. But the problem is this, and it is good to give, and mature people in Christ do give, and God calls on us to tithe. All of those things are there. All those things are an important part of our faith. But it is certainly possible to give your money and not give your heart. It's true. That can happen. 
well, listen, my spouse comes all the time and I came to church with my spouse. Or, hey, my mom and dad came to church all the time. And somehow, in some way, I thought by the fact that I was coming to church with my parents who were strong in faith, or at least had one of my parents who was strong in faith, I don't understand why I'm not there. Well, this is the thing. God has no grandchildren. God has children. You will not get to heaven on the faith of your mom and your dad. You will not get to faith, got to get to heaven on the faith of your wife or of your husband. I said a prayer. I took um, confirmation classes. I was baptized as a baby. Isn't that enough? It was never ever about following the rules. It was never ever about being religious. It wasn't merely about believing in God. The Bible says that the demons believe in God and tremble. It's about loving him with all of our heart. And the truth is this. You can have all the language down. You can be submerged in the, in the, deeply in the church culture. But the truth is God knows who is truly following him and love him. And God knows how you have lived when nobody is looking. And that scripture in Romans chapter 13 verse 11 is true. It says, now is the high time to wake up, for now our salvation is nearer than we had believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Your salvation was nearer than you have appeared, but you ignored it. You ignored the scriptures that have said, today, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. You may even sitting there and say, you know, I never saw Jesus. Doesn't the Bible say that every eye will see him? Yes, it does. The Bible does say that. But you are confusing the time when Jesus comes for his church and the day that it comes, that he comes in judgment. Revelation chapter, chapter 1 verse 7 says, look, he's coming in the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who have pierced him and all the earth, peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. You see, the first time he comes in love for his church. The second time he comes, he comes in judgment. There's the rapture where he meets the church in the clouds. There's the second coming when we actually see him. So don't get confused between the one and the other. It's important. And you're saying, I'm a good person. If you weigh all the good things that I've done against all the bad things that I have done, then the good things weigh out all of the time. I just don't understand how a good God could cause something like that to happen. But scripture is clear. It says in Revelation, or sorry, um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, All have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God, everyone in this place. It says later in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, but the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord basically says this, that God in love loved his people so much. And God, who is a holy God and can't be in the presence of sin, and we are sinners, provides a way by dying on the cross for our sins so that we might be able to know him. But it's a gift that we have to receive. And perhaps we said, yeah, well, I can receive it at another time, or perhaps I know I can do it. I'm the boss of my life. Don't tell me how I'm supposed to live. And so the opportunity to receive the gift has gone, at least in what we will call the church age. You're given an opportunity. And so God comes under different scenario. It's a unique situation. And you found this message somehow online. 
And I believe if you're here in the church or if you're listening in future here and, and, and the church has left because Jesus has called it up, caught it up, and you're listening online, I believe that the Holy Spirit has somehow thrown you a lifeline. And my hope is that you will still take that lifeline. My hope is that it will allow you to get to heaven. But I'm telling you this, it will be much more difficult if the rapture has passed and you have come to yourself at the beginning stages of what is called the seven-year tribulation. Seven-year tribulation. It's also called Daniel's 70th week. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. And we have it on all those scriptures. If you want to kind of press pause and, 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 and take those scriptures down, go ahead and read them to see whether I'm saying is true or not. But if you had trouble choosing to serve Jesus before, it'll be much more difficult. But desperation is probably upon you at this time. And I'm going to give you a number of scriptures. The seven-year tribulation is a seven-year period and it is cut in half. There's a three and a half, three and a half year of, of relative peace, three and a half years of absolute hell, which takes place. And the main question you might be asking at this time, if you have been left behind, is this. Is there any hope for me? Do I have any chance at all? Well, I believe that you do. And there's a couple of scriptures that will show that. There's a, re- a scripture in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, and it says this. That... It showed the martyrs who had died because they were not going to serve the beast at that time. And also if you recognize in Revelation chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 14, it talks about a remnant of Jewish people that will come and they will be given a spirit to preach the gospel. I, says, I think it says in Revelation chapter, um, um, I think 14 verse 6. And my question is this. Why would God allow there to be people to have the power to preach the gospel if there's not opportunity for people to come to know Jesus? So why will it be so difficult? Two big reasons. Scripture is clear about this. First of all, there will be a spirit of delusion, as I mentioned earlier. But the other thing is this. That when that thing occurs and that that takes place, 2 Thessalonians chapter 7 says this. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the splendor of his coming. What's so incredible about that? What Paul is actually telling the Thessalonian church is this. That there is something which is holding back the spirit of lawlessness. And it says, until it be taken out of the way. Well, that is the work of the Holy Spirit as it is embodied through the church. And when the body of Christ is caught up, so is the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, God is everywhere. It's not a point where God will not be there. But his presence, his convicting power, will be taken out of the way because he was released with the church it'll be much harder to be able to do so. It'll be a much more difficult thing. And chances are it's going to be very difficult for you. I would say almost impossible, but I don't know. With all today's technology, I'm not even going to hazard to guess how it is going to be, how they're going to determine all these things. All I know is that this is the way it is going to be. The second half of the tribulation will be that much harder. 
And if it hasn't, hasn't happened already, it will come about that there will be a person that will rise to power. I'm not too sure at what point you are in terms of the, the tribulation. There is the church age. The church age is when Jesus has come and he provides salvation through faith to every person, all mankind, Jewish person, Gentile people, whoever. But when the church is caught up, we enter what is called Jacob's 70th week. And it's a seven-year period where God begins to focus on the Jewish people again. Doesn't mean that God doesn't care about you. Doesn't mean that there is an opportunity for you. But things have changed. But it says when, that, when, the, when the, the Holy Spirit is taken away, that all of a sudden the spirit of lawlessness and an individual will appear. And he may have already appeared already. And it might be good news. Because at a time like this, people are going to be looking for someone who has some solutions. And it will appear that this individual will have some solutions. Bible talks about this individual. Daniel calls him the little horn, or the prince that shall come, or the king. Matthew calls him the false Christ. We heard in Thessalonians that he's called the, the, the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition. And John, as he's writing Revelation, calls him the beast out of the earth. And we'll understand why people will want to flock to him. There'll be a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear. There'll be a lot of unrest who he will provide. Daniel 11 verse 37 says that he says that he will disregard the God of his fathers. A lot of people think that he will have some connection to the Jewish faith. And there will be peace, particularly in the East, Middle East, particularly with Israel. And the word of God in Daniel talks about the fact that he will make a covenant with these people, but will break it after three and a half years years. And it's an important thing to understand what is taking place and how that, that comes to take place. And, and um, you may also find that there will be a secondary figure that will show up, probably a religious figure who will help in the process. You know, Satan is always a copycat. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Satan the Antichrist, and his follower, the beast. So this will be the scenario that will be upon you. This is, these are the things that you'll have to consider. But here's the, one of the, the topper things that you will, you'll have to realize. Um, is that there will, this individual will eventually require you to have some form of identification that would connect you with him. It says this in Revelation chapter 13, verse 16 and 17. This is the thing uh, for those of us who are here today kind of have trouble figuring out. Talks about this person, the Antichrist, the beast who will come. Talks about there will be a moment where you have to decide whether you are going to be with him or not. And every person will be required to put a mark or have a mark on his forehead or on his right hand. And, and I would imagine, as we know today's technology, it might not be something that you actually physically see. And it may not be that everybody has the number 666. It might just be that the person who is in charge has that number himself. And we've already seen that there have been another, a, a number of times where we have been required, almost by law, to do something. And that's just, that's just the beginning of how things will work. 
that by the time this issue of the mark of the beast, there will have already been times and opportunities where everybody is required to do something. So it won't really seem like much at the time. But if you're, if you're living in a time when you know that Christ has already returned for his church and you are wanting to make it to heaven, one thing you need to understand for sure is that you can't take that mark. And if you can't take that mark, that means you won't be able to buy and sell. And so you'll have to depend on other people. But those people will be under a spirit of delusion. And chances are that if they do help you, they will be under extreme penalty as well. And I don't know at what point in the tribulation period, that seven-year period, will this will be put into effect. But if I was the person that was living, and I was convinced that Jesus had returned... I would probably like to make some type of provision to help me through a time like that. But again, with today's technology, I think this will be something which is extremely hard, extremely difficult. I'm, I'm not trying to paint a difficult picture. I'm trying to paint a realistic picture. And at this time, if you are there and the rapture has happened, the thing you need to focus on the most is getting to heaven. Not surviving at the most seven years. But pretty difficult when you don't have anything in your hand. Wouldn't you agree? It's a difficult situation. It's hard to understand. And, and, and so I wish that I could provide something a little bit deeper, a little bit more to tell you. What I'm basically saying is this. It's better to serve him today. It's better to follow him today. And if you have missed the first opportunity, those of you who are listening here, listening in the future, if you have missed the first opportunity, don't miss the second opportunity, as difficult as it will be. What profit does it, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And Jesus will have returned, and, and you will have gone from a church age to a time of tribulation. And the Bible speaks clearly about taking the best of the opportunities that we have. And I'll just say this again, and I know that I've said it. This will be the third time that I'll say it. But I think it's the most important question you have to ask yourself if you are listening to this. Is it worth the preservation of your life if you have to take it for at the most seven years to lose eternity with God. And it may be true that there are people who are here at church, in the service, watching online. And the rapture has not happened. My appeal to you is this. Give them your life. It's the best, it's the best thing you can do anyways. It is the most fulfillment, the most life-filling thing that you could do anything. Don't put off anything which is of such great worth. And the last thing I the thing that I have found, that scaring people into heaven doesn't last. Not really a long time. I think people respond when they realize that there's a God who absolutely loved them so much that he gave his life to provide for him. And that is what is on the table today. But Jesus does tell us to be ready. 
Jesus does tell us to be awake. And if this does anything for us here this morning, it should be this. God, here are the people who I know don't know you, and I can't imagine heaven without them. God, you need to move in their lives. My grandkids, my son, my daughter, my coworker, my boss, whoever it may be, that there's an opportunity to pray that God will move and that God will give us boldness to share the good news. Amen? So, Father, I just come before you in Jesus' name. And uh, <laughs> it's not, not the most pleasant uh, thing to think of. Um, but we're doing a series on the fact that Jesus could be coming soon and the fact that we need to be ready. And, Lord, it would be wrong for me not to give a message like this if we're talking about the fact that Jesus could and will return at any time. So, God, I pray for any single person who is here who's not ready, that they'll come to know you today. And God, I also pray for anyone, this might be a few years down the road, I'm not even too sure. Your word says that you could come at any time. It says you come like a thief in the night. You come at a time when we least expect it. For those people who may, who are listening at a future time, may be left behind. I pray, Father, that you will give them a supernatural grace and strength so that they will be with you in eternity. And so we rejoice in the fact that you are a God who came and died for us and we celebrated by, by having communion today. But any person who does not know you, Father, let them come to know you. I'll just say this just before uh, Glenn closes us off in a song and worship. If you don't know Jesus, if you've been serving Jesus, for like five or 10 years, or if you've been coming to church or have been hanging around church for five or 10 years and you haven't given everything to Jesus, this is the day that you do it. If you're here visiting, maybe you're brought by a friend and you don't know what all this is about, maybe you'll wanna go with lunch and say, explain to me more deeply. The fact is this, in a second, you can ask Jesus into your life. You can know him right away before we even leave this building. It comes at a time where we just say, God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that I can't make my way to heaven. It's not about being good or bad. It is about receiving your gift to forgive my sins. And if you can come to God with a pure heart and say, God, please come into my heart. Lord, here I am. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Allow the presence of God to move and change me. I'll follow you the rest of my life. If you're able to do that, you walk out of this place a clean person. It's that easy. So we're going to have uh, Glenn close in song. We are going to open the altar. And I will let the Holy Spirit do the work for whoever needs prayer for whatever. God bless you. Spirit of God, move today. Have a great um, Canada Day weekend. And I'm going to hand things over to Glenn. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook. 